appropriate. I hope that you will take these three sheets and put them together with the three that you got two weeks ago so you can keep this whole study together. As I have studied this and I've studied this and I've read it over and over again to format it, to correct it, to look at all of the scriptures and read them sometimes two or three times and sometimes in various translations, I tell you tonight, I have been encouraged, I have been strengthened because the word of the Lord is a strengthening factor in the life of any Christian person. Amen. Amen. And there may be times in our lives when we become discouraged, when, you know, things are just not going right. And it's just common, it's just part of life, you know, part of human life. And when those times come, if we can have hidden away in our hearts and in our minds the knowledge of who God is and what he is capable of, we will soon be able to drag ourselves out of the doldrums and be encouraged and happy in the Lord again. Amen? Yeah, amen. Praise God. Praise, Praise God. The Lord. So you have uh, three sheets that gave you the uh, first four of these 15 attributes of God. And you're getting five more tonight, be a total of nine that you will have received. And I hope that uh, you can um, put all of these together. Don't lose them. Uh, don't lose them. They're, they're going to be valuable to you someday. You're going to say, where is that? I, I need to read that again. I need to encourage myself in the Lord. Yeah. David had a very horrible experience. He went out to battle with all of his men. When they came back, their whole encampment had been taken away by their enemies. Their wives, their children, their tents, all of their goods. It was just absolutely slick clean. And <clears throat> David's men almost turned on him. They were so angry that they had lost everything they had. And the Bible says that David encouraged himself. Yeah. There was no one to encourage him. And sometimes that's what happens to us. There's just nobody to turn to. There, there's nobody that would ever understand your problem and the challenge that you are facing. And uh, my wife is sitting back there filled with the knowledge of what is running through my mind tonight of the situations that we have faced in our pastoral work here in the States and also uh, in our missionary work where we were involved for over 40 years. There are times when there is just nobody. There is nobody but you and the Lord, and yeah. you've got to encourage yourself right. in the Lord. Right. And things like this can help you to yeah. get a grasp on God and who He is and what He is capable of that will help you to rise above all of the turmoil that may have come into your life. Amen? Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> you know, I'm just going to share a little something which it has nothing in the world to do with this study tonight, but boy, there are some things that just give me a whammy. I just happened today to uh, hear just a little bit of some preacher, supposed to be a oneness preacher, and Brother Camarillo, he was talking about the dual nature of God. I thought, what in the world are you talking about? 
God does not have a dual nature. Now Christ has a dual nature because he was born of woman, so he was divine and human, but not God. God is totally divine. One nature, that's all there is to it. You know, people hear that kind of stuff and they, it, it just brings a lot of confusion. And I don't know whether he was just not on his game that time or what, but boy, that was sure wrong. But you know, just sometimes the little things can lead people astray. And if when I'm standing behind this pulpit teaching, if I say something that you don't agree with, please come to me and, and ask me about it. You know, be nice, okay? <laughs> be nice. And uh, I'll be nice. <laughs> and we will go to the word of the Lord and we will discover what is the correct attitude to take. All right? All right. Praise God. Uh, did, did everyone get your um, study sheet? Okay. Is there anyone here tonight that didn't get one from last week? You didn't get it? You did not get it. Let me make sure that I get you one. You didn't. You didn't. Well, I'll have to print another one then. I'm going to. Sister Rain is going to help us out a little bit tonight. Uh, you got your pens and eraser and all that good stuff, and she's going to write on the board on the extreme left-hand side. She's going to write the word finite. All right? And uh, then right below that, she's going to write the word infinite. F-I-N-I-T. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything. I didn't laugh, did I? It's okay. Perfect. I'm right there with you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> and uh, there will probably be some other words that we're going to write down tonight also. All right, now number five in this study of 15 attributes of God is that God is omniscient, okay? And what that means is, that's all for right now. If I need more, I'll call you, okay? Uh, what that means is that God is all-knowing. God knows everything. Now, to we who are living for God, to we who are endeavoring to live a life that is pure and holy and above reproach, that is very encouraging. But to that person who was not living right, to understand that God knows everything should be terrifying really terrifying yeah. to know that God knows everything. All right? Knows every one of our acts, every one of our words. And the, the, the in, interesting thing is that when Scripture is studied carefully, we understand that God knows even the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In other words, you just can't hide anything from God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah. If I can say it, God knows what's on your computer. 
God knows what books are in your library. God knows what magazines you buy. And, and all of those things. God knows. God is omniscient. The first part of that word, O-M-N-I, means all. That's just really what it means, all. And sienti uh, uh, it's just really science, you know, God knows everything. And uh, he is well aware of everything that transpires. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. Oh, my. Look, I'm reading I don't understand how anybody can believe in a triune God when they read that scripture. <laughs> It just, it just doesn't fit. And there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I'm, I made known the end from the beginning, from ancient times. What is still to come, I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. All right? Isaiah 49, 9 through, 6, or 9 through 10. All right? And that came from the uh, New International Version. All right? All right? God is omniscient, which means that he knows everything. Debbie McDaniel writes about the, about the omniscience of God. He can be everywhere at the same time. And he never sleeps or slumbers. <laughs> he is aware of every moment of every day exactly what you are up against. You know, if you're a student in school and you are being ridiculed and made fun of because of your faith and because of how you may dress and how you may conduct yourself, God knows that. All right? And God knows if you tend to compromise with your Christian stand. He knows that, all right? And... Uh, <clears throat> He knows the challenges that you face. He knows our way, and it is with us always, and is with us always. There's no place on earth where we can go that he doesn't know about. All right? And wherever you go, he can see where you are. All right? Tozier writes about God's omniscience. God perfectly knows himself. And being the source and author of all things, it follows that he knows all that can be known. You know, probably, if you have an, an inquisitive mind at all, you're probably always trying to learn something new. There's always something new out there to learn. You know, there really is. Uh, some technology, some uh, scientific discovery, some uh, something that is interesting to you. But we can't know it all. Our minds will not comprehend it all, nor can they contain it all. But God knows all. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. All right. Now what's the what's the rest of this what's the rest of this uh, this reading here? And this he knows instantly, 
and with the fullness of perfection that includes every possible item of knowledge concerning everything that exists or could have existed anywhere in the universe at any time in the past or that may exist in the centuries and ages to come. That's God. Alright? Knows everything. Knows everything. So if there is something that we don't know that we need to know, if there's some decision that we need to make that we really don't know how to make, inquire the Lord. He knows. He knows. Alright? He knows. My wife and I made a rather long trip back in the month of October. Picked up my son's motorhome in Beaumont, Texas and rode to Nashville. It wasn't uh, one part of the road was different than I had ever traveled before, but once we got to Nashville and then slipped back down to Interstate 40 and, and or what was that? Interstate 25 that is and up through part of Tennessee and Kentucky and Illinois and finally across the Mississippi River into the state of Missouri and picking up Interstate 70 which we drove all the way to Denver where we picked up Interstate 25 and north of Cheyenne and from there we picked up Interstate 80 and came on to Sacramento and picked up Interstate 5 and wound up in Stockton. I didn't even have to look at the map. I already knew that road. Alright? Now that's pretty good. I had a truck driver friend who was a pastor. He owned a small trucking company. And we were coming to Salt Lake for conference one year. We were way back there in um, Mississippi. He said, well, what route are you taking? And I just did with him like I just did with you. I just spit out all those numbers. He said, my God, man, you sound like a truck driver. <laughs> and, uh, but I knew those roads. I knew them. You know, and, you know, that is kind of astounding to some people because they've not had the privilege to travel like we have. But to think that God knows so much more than what we can ever comprehend is fantastic. It, yeah. it encourages me because I know that there is, a, there is a fountain, there is a source of knowledge that I can go to anytime that I need to know something that I don't know, and particularly in the spiritual realm. Yeah. Okay? I can... Invite God to direct my steps and I will always be placing them in the right place and taking the right turn at all places because I consulted with the Lord. All right? All right. And we do that because he knows everything. Because God is all-knowing, we can trust that he knows everything we are going through today, everything we will go through tomorrow. When we meditate on this truth, especially considering his other attributes of goodness and love, it makes it easier to trust him with all we have been going through in our lives, from the very serious to the mundane and unfortunate. <coughs> all right? Okay? Because God knows. God knows. God knows. Number six, God is omnipresent. What do you think that means? God is always present everywhere. Now, you know, we, we tend to put everything on our little human box. All right? And it, it is difficult for man to comprehend God. 
Because John 4.24 tells us that God is... Huh? God is... Let's say that God is spirit. Alright? That A really doesn't belong there. And if you will study... Well, my Portuguese Bible leaves it out. Sort of the Spanish Bible also leaves it out. And many other versions of the Bible do not put that A spirit in there. It just very simply says that God is spirit. That's his makeup. God is not confined to a body. Now it's hard for we human beings to consider anything that does not live in a body. It's difficult for us to comprehend that he can be in all places at the same time. But Paul made mention of this great truth when he said, uh, preaching on Mars Hill, he said, in him we live and move and have our being. Because he is spirit. All right? He is all around us. And when we open our lives to him and invite him to abide in us, then we receive what we call the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And he takes up resident with residence within us, all right? right? And that is a glorious happening. It is really joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So now, it, it was such a great encouragement to me through our years of uh, missionary work in South America, being removed like by something like. 8,000 miles from my family and family members in Washington State. Long ways, you know. And uh, it was a great encouragement to know that God is spirit, that there is no place where he does not live, does not abide, does not dwell. And when I prayed for my family members, I knew that God was there. He didn't have to make a trip. Didn't have to buy an airline passage. It wasn't going to take two or three days or a week for him to get there. All right? He was there with them. And as I prayed for them, God could move upon them at that specific time of my prayer. Do you begin to understand the reason why we need to believe that God is omnipresent? It's important. It helps us in our prayer life to pray for maybe a spouse that's on the road traveling and the conditions are a little bit dangerous and we pray and know that God is right there. He doesn't have to make a trip. He doesn't have to dislocate himself from one place to another. He's already there and we activate him through the power of our prayer and the power of our faith to move in our behalf, all right? All right, David poses uh, some very, very important questions in Psalms 139, 7 through 10. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, and whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Uh, I think the real word there in resident hell is the word sheol, which is the uh, abiding, temporary abiding place of departed souls. Uh, <clears throat> all right? 
Behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, you're there. All right? Even there thy hand shall lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. And then we find this other very, very wonderful scripture from the book of Jeremiah. I, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can a, can a man hide himself in secret places that I cannot see him, saith the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? What does he fill? Heaven and earth. David said, if I fly away into the space, and he knew very little about that. In his day, he could look up and see it, but he certainly couldn't go there. But somehow his heart and mind being turned to God in such a pronounced way caused him to perhaps understand things that, that we've only come to understand in more recent times through space exploration. God is there. Amen. God is with me when I drive down the road in my car. When I pray to the Lord driving down the road in my car, I have cried and wept and kept my handkerchief on the dashboard to dry my eyes so I could see where I was going. But he was there with me. My speeding down the highway did not impede him from being with me. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let us please understand about the omnipresence of God. Amen? Amen? To be omnipresent means to be in all places at all times. Yes, it is important to understand that for God to be in a place is not the same way we are in a place. All right? <clears throat> My wife and I are kind of pining away because uh, a certain uh, her mobility problem along with a certain lack of the necessary finance, we're not going to be able to attend our grandson's wedding in Ohio in May. Uh, you know, my how it would be just to be able to, you know, fly away and be there, you know, without any cost, without any problems, but that's not possible. But uh, uh, God is, God's being is altogether different from physical matter. All right? The website uh, explains he exists on a plane wholly distinguishable from one readily available to the five senses. All right? When we pray, we feel God, don't we? Yes. But we can't reach out and touch Him. Right. We can't smell Him. We can't see Him. And people that have had never had an experience with God don't understand what we get so excited about, right. you know, when we are praying and worshiping God. Yeah. They don't understand it. Because they don't feel what we feel. They don't experience what we experience. They can't feel that deep moving of God that we feel in our innermost being. I feel sorry for them because it is such a joyous experience to feel the presence of God. And so they turn to other things. They turn to all of the drugs and the opioids and, and alcoholic drinks and so many other things to try and find some kind of uh, a, a something that can satisfy the longing in their innermost being. If they only knew God, 
God would dwell in them, and he is able to dwell in us because he is a spirit. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I am, uh, all right. Nevertheless, he is with us. The fullness of his presence is all around us. And then that repeats again the same verse from uh, Psalm 139, 7 through 10 from the uh, uh, New International Version. All right. This is how David described God's omnipresence. Thank God that that David had this ability to uh, uh, share with us what he knew about God's omnipresence. Now, <clears throat> to to understand the omnipresent God that we serve, it, it ought to bring great comfort to we who to all Christians. Uh, and, and I'm thinking about some people that I know that have recently lost their spouses, okay? Uh, one lost his wife. Uh, another lost her husband. Uh, another man lost his wife. And these are good, strong Christian people. And at least one of them I know has really suffered with the loss of his wife. He has, he has really, really suffered with that loss because they were a very tight couple, all right? And uh, whenever I would see him, I tried to encourage him to understand that God was with him and that God would be his source of comfort and strength and would literally take the place of his earthly companion that uh, was taken from him uh, a little bit too early. All right? So as we struggle with loneliness and deep sorrow, in a, very re- in a very real way, God is always near us, closer than our thoughts, writes Tozer. The knowledge that we are never alone can calm the troubled sea in our heart. It can bring tranquility to all of our rationale and to all of our emotions and, and help us to be at peace with everybody and everything in our situation, just knowing that God is present. All right. Number seven. And uh, we are considering here the fact that God is wise. All right. What a wonderful, wonderful attribute. God is wise. God has given me a certain knowledge and a certain ability and a certain wisdom, but I certainly don't consider myself to be a very wise man, you know. Any wisdom that may come out of my mouth is, comes out because God is with me. But God is wise, all right? He is full of perfect, unchanging wisdom. All right? Full of perfect, unchanging wisdom. Okay? I don't know if any of you have ever stopped to just kind of sit and think about your body all the various organs in your body. Huh? It's amazing. It is absolutely, totally amazing. All of the various organs that are in our body. You know, years ago they used to think if you had a little bit of problem with your tonsil, take them out. They don't do that anymore. They realized that they were there for a good purpose. All right? I, I suffered with a lot of tonsillitis when I was in my youth, and 
And it was about that time that they decided that, no, we don't take those out anymore, all right? It's been a long time ago. Uh, now, there are some things in your body that they can remove, and you can get along without them, but uh, they really don't know the long-term effects of all of that, okay? But we have been, as the Bible says, fearfully and wonderfully made. And certainly those that wrote that had no knowledge of the intricacies of our body and its makeup and, uh, and the stomach and the intestinal system and all the glands that produce all of the enzymes that we need to, uh, to um, uh, digest our food. Boy, my poor stomach has been working overtime lately. I lost six teeth out of my head in a question of about two weeks. And people, I have been suffering <laughs> because they had to take out a couple of stumps and that left my gums very sore. And boy, I'll tell you what, there's just some things that you just don't eat, you know. And it hurts. There's nothing to chew with. Three on this side on the upper, three on this side on the bottom side. And we're working, trying to do a little replacement job there with some artificial things, all right? I gotta have those things. I gotta be able to chew my food. So some of my digestive system have been working a little overtime trying to take care of all that hot, solid stuff I've been sending down there. <laughs> I told my dentist when he was taking it out, I said, oh my. I said, I got my straw ready. He said, you can't use one. <laughs> I can't? He said, no, not until that gum gets well healed. You can't use a straw. Oh, my. That really took the wind out of my sails, all right? <laughs> but we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, our lungs, our heart, our, you know, all of this is in such, such a, a, a beautiful coordination, all right? And if anything becomes plugged, we're in trouble, all right? We're in trouble. And sometimes that's bad trouble, you know. Not just a little trouble, it's bad trouble, all right? And so if I can just throw in something here, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. That's right. Just uh, stay away from some of that stuff you don't need to eat. And I'm not going to go too far on that because the food company would come down on me hard. <laughs> My wife, sometimes we'd be out and we'd stop and get gas somewhere and you drive into the gas station and have this little store there and it says, Food Mart. She says, Liars. <laughs> Nor is no real food in the place. It's a bunch of chips and all of that kind of stuff. I'm glad you're laughing. Huh? All right. All right. But God is wise. Well, I tell you, Brother Cameron, I would have done very well to be Adam. Just to walk around that garden, pluck off a pear, and pluck off a pluck off a peach, and pluck off some grapes, and little of this, little of that. I mean, I love that kind of stuff, you know. Apples, wow, yeah, wow, yep, that's my kind of eating. Walk over there somewhere and find some carrots growing out there in the wild, pluck those things up, and soft, tender, but, you know, kind of crunchy, you know, and eat those, and 
Oh my. What? Why am I seeing all of this? God is wise. Yes, he is. And he has put everything out there in nature to help yes, us to live a good, healthy life. And man had decided that he knew more than God knew. And they produced all of this good tasting stuff. But it doesn't do for your body what it should do, all right? It hinders rather than helps you to have good health. Wisdom is more than just head knowledge and intelligence. A truly wise person is someone who understands all the facts. Or what some people say is, don't confuse me with the facts. All right? Just don't confuse me with the facts. Uh, and makes the best decision. A wise person uses his heart, his soul, and mind together with skill and competence. But even the wisest man of earth would never come close to being as wise as God. It's amazing to me how some people lift themselves up as being some wonderful, wise, knowledgeable person. Oh, my. <laughs> and the more I hear, the more I believe <clears throat> that they sent most of the dumb ones to Washington, D.C., that bunch is just absolutely over-the-top unwise, all right? God is infinitely wise, consistently wise, perfectly wise. Tozerite, wisdom, among other things, is the ability to devise, devise perfect ends and to achieve those ends by the most perfect means. It sees the end from the beginning. All we're able to do a lot of times is see the beginning. We have no clue as to the end. And too many times people make decisions based on what they happen to know right now without consulting God. I'm going to throw one out here tonight. You can take it however you want. But my wife, this, my wife and I this year will celebrate. What year is this? 19? Boy, this year we're going to celebrate our 58th wedding anniversary. Why have we stayed together for so long? Well, one, we love God. Yes. Number two, God has helped us. Yes. Number two, God has helped me. <laughs> I've got a smile on my wife on that one. Because <laughs> she would say the same thing. All right? But the truth is that before we got married, we prayed sincerely and honestly for God to direct us. Yeah. And at a certain point, we were cast into a doubtful mental state. And I said, God, if it is not your will for us to marry, take what I, what I feel for her out of my heart and out of her heart what she feels for me. God didn't do that. We married and we've been together for almost 58 years. All right? Young people, when you're thinking about getting married, pray. Pray. My wife just told you tonight about a woman. Say young woman. She's, I guess, middle-aged. But just going through a second divorce. My God. And a PK, preacher's kid. 
Uh, it's so sad for the parents, you know, who lived for God for so many years. And to see that happening in their family, it's sad. It, it just brings grief to them, all right? And, you know, we're all aware of these situations. But pray, because God is wise. He knows the heart of that young lady that you think is so beautiful. He knows the heart of that young man that you're just, (laughs) Can you believe I used to have a lot of fun teaching you? Can you believe I used to have a lot of fun teaching young people? (laughs) I used to have a lot of fun. I mean, I just really did. But they learned. Those that wanted to learn. And they took it to heart. And many of them have had very wonderful, successful marriages. Those that didn't, well, it was another story, unfortunately, and we regret that. But I gave them the keys. I gave them what they needed to know. We said, try to. And you want to listen to it? Fine. If you don't, then you're just going to have to go your own way and suffer the consequences. And many of them have suffered horrible consequences. All right? And I don't say that with any joy. Glue. Super bonded. Yeah, super glue. Yep. Stayed married. How many many years you've been married? Now don't be looking back at your wife. You're supposed to know. Huh? All right, and that wasn't a fair question. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Can I do something? Huh? Can I do something? Yeah. The reason why it's so important to pray for God to know God's will. I, I told my kids when they were small, I don't care if you pray a lot. I don't care if you do faithful. I don't care if this. I don't care. God knows the future. Mess around with somebody else. God knows everything's going to happen. So you better pray for God's will. God, if you do God's will, that's going to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why The Lord's Prayer. Can somebody quote it? What's the next part? Oh, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Oh! (laughs) Most everybody real content with God having his will in heaven, but don't mess with us down here. Right, Paul? She 
we have to just lay it out before the Lord and say, God, if it's not your will that I marry this man, do not let me do it. Yeah. yeah. When I, when we were when we were young, we don't. I don't know. At least where we've been lately, uh, we don't hear this much anymore. But. Well, there was a lot of talk about putting out a fleece before the Lord. Some of you don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Who said that? Fleecing the Lord. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who did it? Gideon. Gideon. God told him to do something. He had his doubts. Now, Lord, just one moment here. All right? Now, I'm going to put out this lambskin here. And I want it to be covered with dew in the morning and no dew anywhere else, just on the lambskin. And that was called a fleece. So that's where the term came from, putting out a fleece. He gets up the next morning. Boy, he was a doubter, wasn't he? Huh? You ever read his story? Get in the book of Judges and read his story. He, he was a doubter. And he get up the next morning, his fleece is just soaking wet with dew, and there's no dew anywhere else. Again. Well, okay, Lord, but, you know, that could have been an accident. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this fleece out here again tonight. And in the morning, I want water dew everywhere except on my fleece. So that was called putting out a fleece by the Camarina. All right? And... Sometimes that's what we've got to do. Maybe not an actual lambskin, but we, we challenge God with an open mind, with a ready heart, with an obedient heart, that God in His wisdom will show us what His will really is. All right? And leave us without any doubt. Our call to Brazil as missionaries happened in the General Conference in Portland, Oregon in the month of August of 1970. All right? Man, I'm sitting there. I wasn't even sitting with my wife. I was sitting someplace else in the auditorium. And, uh, and, uh, huh? I was taking care of your baby girl. Oh, is that what you were doing? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Did you know my baby girl wasn't (laughs) hurt? When she's sweet and one of them her. When she's disobedient, then it's mine. You know how that goes. All right. Brother Cameron said, Shannon, you're going to come up against that a couple years from now, okay? All right. Hey, we're having fun here tonight. But I hope we're learning something, all right? I felt this thing about Brazil. I felt it. And I'm kind of like, is this real? Or is this just emotion? (laughs) Some people don't know how to determine the difference between the call of God and the move of God's spirit and and emotion. Emotion of a service. Emotion of a special missions presentation. But it wasn't that Brazil was highly promoted. It was just mentioned in passing, just uh, uh, three or four sentences was all, and it was just like, uh, you know? 
and conference was over and we went back home and I didn't say anything for a couple of weeks to my wife. And then I didn't, you know, tell her what I felt. I asked her, did you feel anything special in the mission service at General Conference? She said, yeah, I did. You did? What was it? I felt that God called me to Brazil. Son, they had to fix the first, the second floor floor to the roof because I went right out through it. I mean, I was just absolutely ecstatic. I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, Ecstatic, you know, with what was brought to us as a confirmation. All right? So very well. We're rocking through this, okay? And then we had a a mission. We were very missions-minded people. And I told the district mission director, whenever there's a missionary, send him to our church. We want missionaries, okay? And uh, he didn't send this Brazilian missionary our way. And I called and said, what's going on? I told you to send all these missionaries our way. And uh, so he said, well, I got Saturday night. Saturday night's open. Saturday night's fine. Send them. Poor guy had to travel. I don't know how far the next day. It was the next morning. He had to get up early to make his Sunday morning service. But um, anyway, I told my wife, I said, keep it zipped. Don't you say one word about how we're feeling. Okay? And she stayed in the kitchen with the missionary wife and was preparing our evening meal. And I went over to the church with the missionary man to help him get set up. And uh, man, I am just, oh, man, I mean... Everything is just right about there. I just can't hardly hold it down anymore because I'm feeling this thing so powerfully in my spirit. And I get back over to the house and my wife and the lady are talking and I said, well, you know, we really feel like God has called us to Brazil. Well, they had to repair the floor and the roof again because she about went through it, okay? But... You know, we, we sometimes need to have this confirmation. Right. This confirmation from God, all right? right? Now, we have put on the board tonight two words that are very important, and they're in the last paragraph of section 7. Indeed, when we see wisdom like this, we realize how much we are limited, finite in wisdom. What's finite mean? Limited. Limited. We are limited in our wisdom. And don't think, I don't care how much you go to college, I don't know how many degrees you get, you can have a whole alphabet behind your name, but you are never going to arrive at the place of God's wisdom. That's right. right. All right? Don't fool yourself. What we have to do is be connected to the source. Amen. We get what we need when we need it. Yes. Do we understand that? All right. Uh, You know, I I used to like to test God. I I hate to buy cars. I hate to buy cars. I don't care if they're new or used. I just don't like to buy cars. Some people, oh man, they're just, you know, going to go out and buy cars. And even used ones. Oh, I don't like to buy used cars. You never know what you're getting. Never know what you're getting. And... We saw this very nice car on the parking on the on the uh, sales lot city where we were passing. The car we had was absolutely a piece of junk. wasn't that old, but I tell you that car was a trial to my patience. <laughs> and we were thinking about trading. I saw that car, 
And I stopped to see, talked to the man about it. He said, hey, take it, keep it the weekend. I said, no, 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 I just let it sit here. So we might settle. I said, if it's God's will, you'll settle it. If it's not God's will, you won't sell it. <laughs> okay? He didn't sell it. <laughs> he didn't sell it. And uh, so when, when uh, weekend came by, when the weekend was passed, I went down there and we talked about the car and I bought it. It was one of the finest automobiles I ever owned. Okay? Sold a thing with nearly 200,000 miles on it. We drove it, did a lot of our missionary traveling in that car. And it was nice. Our kids were small. My wife made them some little pillows and a little blanket and on our way home on Sunday night after service. They had to go to school the next day. They laid in the back and got their sleep. All right? It was a nice station wagon. Very, very nice. All right? And, you know, God used to be saying, you think God is really interested in what car you buy? I tell you what God is really interested in what car I buy. Because I'm his child. And he's going to take care of me. All right? Amen. I've got to have a little common sense, of course. But, you know, God is going to take care of me. All right? Okay? So, we get connected to the source of wisdom. We are finite... But God is infinite. What does infinite mean? He is limitless, all right? Right behind there, right behind the, uh, the first one there, Sister uh, Raina, poor folk, please. Write limited. And then behind the other one, write unlimited, all right? Okay? I want you to remember these words. And I want you to remember... That in whatever situation of life you are in, you are finite. You are limited. Okay? And particularly in the spiritual world, you are limited. All right? You need God every day and every hour. There may come to you a moment when you have got to make a quick decision. If you are connected to the source of wisdom and power, it will be shown to you immediately what you need to do. Yeah. God doesn't have to go to Wiki, what is it, Wiki, Wikipedia, Wikipedia and, and do a little research there to find out what you need to do. Yeah. Nowadays it's Google. Or Google. Thank you, sister. All right. Boy, I dated myself on that one tonight. Still out there, though. But... Uh, uh, God is the source. And he, you know, you think your computer's fast? God has this answer immediately. There is no delay time. There's no boot up time. There's no, I'll take a look at that and get back to you next week. Then God? God knows everything, but he doesn't tell you everything. Well, he'll show you, he'll show you when you need to... No way. All right? All right. Remember these two words, then. These two words are very, very important. All right? Now, <clears throat> number eight. Man, I got to hurry. God is faithful. He is infinitely and unchangeably true. True. All right? God is faithful. 
Our verse of scripture from Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God. Wait, wait, Brother Cameron, it is so amazing. I mean, it's just one God all the way, isn't it? Yes. He, not they. Exactly. All right. All right. Yes. <laughs> the Lord your God is God. It's not is a God, but is God. Right. Period. The faithful God. There's another one out there who's not faithful, okay? <laughs> okay. Huh? All right. All right. Well, I, I'm not going to get into all that tonight. That, that's another subject. Which keep with covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Now, I was amazed as I studied this particular item because uh, some of the people that wrote about this did not put the part in there says that love him. You, you, you listen to some of these preachers and to some of these teachers and read some of this stuff that's being written, you would think that all of the promises of God are to everybody in the world. No, they're not. Right. Write that down in your little notebook. Yeah. Yeah. All of the promises of God are to those that love Him. Right. Yeah. Okay? So somebody got to do a little checkup on your... Love level there for God, all right? And keep his commandments. You love him and you keep his commandments. You look at some of these people, they don't love God. I know they don't love God. Oh, Brother Walmer, you're being judgmental. No, no. I'm a fruit inspector. Right. All right? Just like you do when you go to the supermarket. You pick up those apples, you turn those things over to make sure there's not a rotten spot on the backside. All right? And if you look at some of these people long enough, you're going to find where their rotten spot is. All right? You just can't believe everything they tell you. All right? So the scriptures tell us that he is faithful, he is unchanging. And he will have, he will keep his covenants and his mercy with them that love him. Gotta love him, Noah. Gotta love him, Nathan. Yes, sir. Gotta love him, Paul. Yes, sir. Gotta love God, Father. You gotta love God. Amen. You gotta feel this intense love for God. Yes. Amen. You've got to tell God, I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. And you will prove your love to him by talking to him Hallelujah. in prayer. By reading his love letter that he has sent you. His word. Praise God. I love you, Lord, but... Oh, I'm sorry, God. I, I really haven't read your Bible this week. Uh, and you take the Bible down off the shelf and blow the dust off and bring it to church. You know. Come on. Yeah. And tell a story about the... Uh, Young man, young woman got married back in the days of horse and buggies. And uh, after all of the celebration and the party and the cake eating and all that kind of good stuff, you know, they're on their way 
to the house that he had built for his bride on, the, on his little farm. And uh, going down the road, the horse stumbled. And he said, that's once, Mabel. Horse stumbled a second time. He said, that's twice, Mabel. Horse stumbled a third time. He stopped, got down off the carriage, walked over there with a pistol, and shot the horse in the head. His wife said, why did you do that? He said, that's once, Susan. Oh, oh my gosh. And then there was the other elderly woman that asked her husband. She said, George, George, do you still love me? I told you that 40 years ago when we got married. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. And it doesn't work with God either. That's right. It doesn't work with God either. That's right. All right. There, there is an ability that you can develop in prayer where you actually are reaching out to God. It's so that you feel almost in a physical sense that you are embracing Him and saying, Lord, I love you. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Isn't it a beautiful feeling when that little thing is sitting in your lap <laughs> and she reaches up and just a little soft hand and just rubs your cheek? Oh, Mother, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It is. It is wonderful. It really is. It's just, it's just wonderful. Here's let me tell you something. Tell your mom and dad to go. Tell your mom and dad that you appreciate it. All right? Because let me tell you something. The Bible is true. Whatsoever a man so if you want to be appreciated when you grow up and get married and have your own kids, you better treat your parents as you want to be treated. That's right. That's very true. It's true, Brother Cameron. It's true. It's true. All right. So God is infinitely unchanging. If we believe we're not faithless, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. You know, it doesn't matter how unfaithful you are, God's going to be faithful. Right. Now, he might not be as faithful to you as what he th you think he ought to be, but his faithfulness to you is going to be based on your faithfulness to him. Because every blessing of God is contingent on how you treat God. Right. Yeah. Right. Asking you shall receive. First step is yours. Seeking you shall find. First step is yours. 
And if you walk down through God's word and read these things, you will understand that the first step is always yours. He that cometh to God must first believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you come to God in prayer and you don't really believe that he is going to reward you, you're wasting your time. Sorry. You've got to believe that he's going to be a rewarder of you. Praise God. You're a rewarder. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Just a few minutes here. I'm going to close with this number nine. God is good. All the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. He is is infinitely, unchangingly kind and full of goodwill. All right? Some people have this fear of God. It's not that godly fear. It's not that respect fear of God. But they really fear God. They think that God is just walking around. Kind of looking at them. Ah, oh, you did something wrong. Wham! <laughs> God still was love. God still was good will toward you. Now, please understand me. I'm going to be very blunt right now. That good will and that love of God for you does depend on your behavior. Now, I'm not saying that God will cease to love you if you misbehave, but he will withhold his blessings from you. That bond of fellowship will be broken because of your unbelief and because of your disobedience. And the prime example of that, of course, is Adam and Eve in the garden. Okay? Uh, in, in last, not last week, two weeks ago's lesson, one of the, one of the items there changed. And uh, I forget, it, it said that God cannot, how did that go? I don't have that. But, uh, it, well, he can't stop loving you, but God does not save those that are impenitent. All right? That don't repent. All right? That's what impenitent means. They don't repent. They're not sorry for their sin. They're not sorry for their actions. And they keep doing the same things over and over and over again. Repeat offenders. All right? And, and you know, we, we, we can reconcile this. You know, God still loves, but the bond of fellowship is broken, and we do not have uh, that goodness of the Lord uh, flowing through our lives uh, if we were in total obedience to Him. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Who wrote that? Psalms. Have you ever read the book of Psalms through? You know what my wife did? My wife hand wrote the whole book of Psalms. Wrote it out by hand. She'd been doing that with all the books of the Bible. All right? She said to me, she said, Bye. She said, 
boy, this guy really went through some heavy stuff. And he's saying, God, would you please kill my enemies? He's going through some bad times. He was being assailed on every side. And war never seemed to be far from his gate. But he writes and says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. In the midst of all of his troubles, in the midst of all of his yes. trials, in the midst yes. of everything that he was going through, yes, he was able to get into the presence of the God. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let's go to the house of the Lord. He said, Let's enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. You see, the tabernacle that they had built in the wilderness had been destroyed. David missed a place of worship, so he built what became known as David's tabernacle. And I commanded that one verse of Scripture where he said, I was glad that they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord, may have been written right after the king who said, David, the tabernacle is done, it's ready. And he said, I was so glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Praise God. I appreciate your testimony to me the other day. And that's just between you and me, unless you want to share it with others. But I really appreciate that. You you encouraged my heart. You really did. And and, and I want to be God's spokesman standing in this pulpit and share with you those things that I feel that God puts in my heart. Amen? And God is good. God is good. On down further it says, the Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Why? Because he's good. Evil and bad things happen to all, but those that take refuge in the goodness of God will not suffer loss. Okay? I think in your, in your, does it say eternal loss? Eternal loss, yes. Yeah, okay. After I printed out my copy, I saw that I could, I needed to put that other word in there, eternal loss, okay? All right, eternal loss. He loves. He is full of goodwill toward all who will love him and trust him fully. May your spiritual experience, may your spiritual walk not be a part-time thing, Amen. but full-time. Hallelujah. Amen. You serve God here. You serve God at home. You serve God on the job. You serve God in school. You are the same person wherever you go. Amen? Amen. Why? Because God is good. Right. And He expects you to be good. How are you? I'm good. Are you? <laughs> it's kind of a loaded question. All right? Well, let me tell you. Even if you fail God, if your heart is sincere and you really love God and you express that to Him, and at those times of failure, if you will say to God, God, I really am sorry. Forgive me, Lord. I really blew it today. All right? Yeah. I need your forgiveness, Lord. I really love you. 
I want to be saved. I want to do what's right. Help me, Lord. Please, Lord, help me. And he is full of mercy that endures for generation after generation. I was in a thousand generations. That's enough for me because it's about 20,000 years. Generation, about 20 years to 30 years. That's long enough for me. So if his mercy will last that long, hey, I'm all right. All right? As long as I recognize that I can't let these things go, I've got to come before God in prayer and say, God, please, God, please, shine that powerful light of the Holy Ghost down into my soul and reveal to me what's wrong with me. Yeah, I'm going to pray for you guys, but you know when I pray for myself, that's my prayer. God, I want to know what's wrong with me. Because if I know what's wrong with me, then I can repent of what's wrong with me and I can establish the right relationship between me and God. And I can live happy and content and satisfied. I can live filled with hope that if, like our pastor said tonight, that if the Lord comes, we're gone. We're out of here because we live ready. Amen. We live repented. We live loving him and not the world. Everything about God is more important to us than anything out there in the world. It's more important than clothes. It's more important than high heels. I'm just cutting up with Sister Rainer right now. All right. He's more important than those artificial beauty products that a, people like to, a lot of people like to use. He's more important than all that, you know? He's just more important than all that. You know, and we may think that some of these things, you know, the clothes we wear and all that sort of thing. I tell you what, you want to get rid of all your pride. Get sick and go in the hospital. I want to tell you what, you will lose every ounce of pride you ever had. As you lay in that bed half naked. <laughs> huh? Tubes and wires everywhere. Tubes and wires everywhere. You can't get up. You can't take care of yourself. You go in the bathroom in a in a pan and a and a, and a plastic bag. You know. What is going to be important at that time? Huh? What's going to be important? It's certainly not going to be your highfalutin clothes and your artificial beauty products and and all those other things. I mean, that is going to be the furthest thing from your mind. I just want to get well and get out of here. Get my clothes on again. Look like a decent human being again, you know? And it kind of brings us down to the, the, the lowest point of human existence. And makes us to understand that what is really important is God. And the eternal life that he has promised us. Praise God. Well, I've not read all of this. I didn't have time and I had so many other things I wanted to say. But I hope that somehow that these lessons will be a blessing to you. And that somehow that the, the eyes of your soul can be opened up. 
and you can see God in a new light and you can see the grandeur of God and the greatness of God and, and the power of God in such a way that you will never lose faith in him again. Amen? Amen. I read the most horrible statistic. Take this to harbor the Cameroon. I don't know whether this is true or not, but it, he said it was. And this minister wrote and he said, of all of the ministers that I went to seminary with, there was only one out of 20 that were still in the ministry, in the ministry when they reached retirement age. Somewhere down along the line, they lost their faith in God. Somewhere they lost their hope in God. It is so sad to think for years on end, week after week, they stood in a pulpit and they preached the gospel to others. And then they just lost it all. Well, I guess I'm one out of the 20. I look back on those that I graduated with from Bible college, and unfortunately, many of them are not living for God today. So sad, so sad. And I agree with your pastor what he said tonight. I don't want anybody that sits in this small congregation to lose their soul. Whatever God asks you to do, whatever God asks you to get out of your life, get rid of it. You don't want anything in your life that is going to impede you from going up in the day when the Lord comes. It may not be an item but it's the love that you have for that item, a love that should be placed on God That's right, yeah. and not on some perishable thing in this life. Right. right. And even your body is perishable. Yeah. All right? So let's put all of our trust in God, all of our faith in God, and understand who he really is. Well, I'm sorry, overtime again tonight. Oh my, my heart is so full. And I am so convinced that the Lord's return is so imminent. Yes. It is so imminent. I do want to share a little quick testimony with you tonight. During the time that we were pastoring our second and last church in the States, I had a dream one night, and I'm not much to place a lot of stock in dreams. But this dream was so moving that it broke me on the inside. And during the course of the night's sleep, I dreamed that I was working on a ship. And this ship was at the docks, tied up. And we were working in the hold of that ship, unloading the goods that were in there. And suddenly a warning came to us that there was a horrible storm coming and that we were to flee. And we climbed out of the hold of that ship and ran out on the docks. And there in front of us was this long green slope of a hill running way up to the top of this hill. And we began to run and run and run thinking of a tsunami, tidal wave, and we ran and ran and ran 
and we climbed and we climbed and finally when I got to the top I was the only one there I was alone and I looked up and here was this beautiful 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 white castle and in the middle of that dream I knew that I had made it I became so broken in my spirit I was laying on the bed just crying and crying and sobbing and finally to not wake my wife I got up and went into the living room and for a long time I, I couldn't utter a word I just knelt there in front of the couch just sobbing with joy in the presence of the Lord because I had made it I had made it and I really believe with all of my heart that I'm going to make it and I hope you have that hope. Amen. And I hope that you are willing to make, pay any price Amen. to get rid of anything out of your life so that the eternal God can save your eternal soul and you will be able to live forever with him in the new Jerusalem. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's stand together. Let's thank God for his word tonight. Brother, I know you're anxious to get home to your get kids home to school to bed, but take their hand right there now, both of you. All of you just go join together as a family right there now and just pray together. All right? Family. What's that old song, Sister Walmer, with the Be Unbroken? What is that song? Will the circle be unbroken? Will the circle be unbroken? Will the circle be unbroken? I don't know how it goes anymore either. <laughs> but I just remember that part where the circle be unbroken. Fine by Lord, fine. Praise God. I want my kids. I want my grandkids. I want my great grandkids. Praise God. I want brother and sister Camarina Senior. I want brother and sister Camarina Junior. I want every one of you. Every one of you. Pay the price to be a child of God. God, tonight, I love you. God, we love you tonight. I appreciate you, Lord. You are so good. So merciful. So loving. So forgiving. So kind. Your attributes, Lord, are more than we can understand. But, oh, God, I believe every one of them. I believe every one of these traits. I believe every one of these things that are true of you, Lord. Oh, God. Help me, oh, God, to be true to you, to be faithful to you, to live for you, to love you, and to abandon this world and all of its pleasures, all of its false ideas. Oh God, and embrace you because you are the only one that has eternal life for me. Bless everyone that is here tonight. Every young person, every child. Oh God, may we just somehow be broken in your presence and come to know you as you desire to be known. And Lord, we will give you the praise and the glory at all times. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Thank you for this wonderful evening together. I hope I've been a blessing to you.
Did everyone get a copy of this Bible study? Everyone get a copy that wanted one? These second grouping of the three pages. 